Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. We're excited to be at church. Yeah, let's get into the word. Come on, guys. You're making me cry up here. That's crazy. Um, um, so I did, last year, I did do the, the five-minute uh, sermon. Thank you for Christina for letting me do that. I honor you as well. I love you so much. <laughs> You're amazing as well. Um, but this is technically my first sermon that I've ever preached. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I was um, asking some friends of mine, some pastors, uh, people who've preached before. I was like, tell me about your first sermon. Like, what was it like? How did you feel? Walk me through it. And the summary of what I got back was, of course I remember my first sermon. It was horrible. It was terrible. <laughs> it was awful. I wish I didn't remember it. Um, so I'm hoping for a different experience today. Um, but I'm really excited to bring the word of God with you today. We are in week two of a sermon series um, entitled, Upping Your Automatic Healthy Habits of Believers. Alex brought an amazing word um, last week, talking about a life of devotion, building your life on God's word. And what, is that, what does that look like? And today, we're talking about building a life of prayer. And if you're taking notes with me this morning, I got a lot of notes for you guys. Um, that's my sermon title, Life of Prayer. What do we know about prayer? Um, doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus, but we know that prayer is important. We know that's something that we should be doing daily, something that we should be building our life upon. Yeah, what I found is that there's so many believers who really struggle to pray. I think if you ask a believer how their prayer life is doing, you most likely get an answer like, I feel like I could definitely pray more. Maybe I'm just kind of like not satisfied in my prayer life, and I think that comes from a multitude of reasons, being that it feels hard, we don't know what to say, it can be awkward, be easy to get distracted, um, and it's these type of things that just cause us to avoid it entirely. And if you're ruined today and you be honest and say, yeah, I feel like that's me, I feel like I'm not a good prayer, um, I feel like these, I feel that these things hold me back from praying, I just want to let you know right now, it's okay. It's okay, take the pressure off yourself, because you're actually in good company. Let's look at the 12 hand-picked disciples of Jesus. They did life with him every single day. They saw him before miracles, cast out demons, teach and preach to thousands of people, but never did they ask him to teach him how to preach a great sermon or perform these amazing miracles. But rather, in Luke 11, chap Luke chapter 11, Scripture says that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, Disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. They said, Jesus, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to pray. Like, what are you going off and doing? Like, what are you saying to God? We're confused. What do we pray? Have you ever thought that before? What do I pray, God? I'm just sitting here in my room, and I don't know what to say. I'm just sitting here awkwardly. I keep getting distracted. They asked, what do, we, what do we pray? They felt inadequate. It didn't come naturally for them. So Jesus actually answers them with what is known as the Lord's Prayer. And the fact that Jesus even answers their questions lets me know a couple things. One, it wasn't a dumb question. 
he had an answer. There was an answer. It wasn't a dumb question. It's okay to feel like you don't know how to pray. But two, it tells me that you don't have to stay in that place. There actually is a way that we ought to pray. Isn't that awesome? So we're going to go through that this morning. And I want to want to dive into scripture with all of you this morning. If you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. Um, it's the same story, just from a different perspective. Here's how the, Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Verse 5, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the street corners, and to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees you, sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because there are many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts that we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray over the preaching of God's word. Jesus, thank you so much for this monumental Sunday that we get to experience as a church. We're so thankful for all that you've done. Um, right now, I just pray in this moment, um, just for clarity in the room, clarity when it comes to, to praying with you, communicating with you, um, or just our experience with prayer. I pray that you just give us clarity in the room. Would you anoint my words? Um, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen and amen. Thank you, Brother Wayne. Appreciate you. Love you, brother. You're the best. You're the best. So what I want to do today, I want to get straight into it, because there's a lot to unpack here. I feel like you could write a sermon on every line of this prayer. There's so much to unpack. Um, if you've grown up in prayer, the Lord's Prayer is probably something that you're familiar with. Maybe it's something that you have memorized. I remember growing up, um, when I was young, growing up in the Bible Belt, um, I was playing for this rec football team, Sharpsburg Stallions. And I remember <laughs> every, before every game, um, we would go through the Lord's Prayer. Like, none of these kids are saved. None of, we don't even know what we're saying. We don't even know what these words mean. But we just go through the Lord's Prayer. Um, so we'd all huddle up together. We get all hyped. We don't even know what we're saying. Our Father in heaven, Howard be thy name. And we're just, we're just quoting this script that our coach gave to us. And we're like, what is going on? Why are we saying this? It's kind of weird. Um, what I've come to realize about the Lord's Prayer is that it's so much more than just a script. If you look at, um, uh, if you look at Matthew chapter 6, I feel like Jesus kind of explains um, prayer as almost like a blueprint for our life. Um, and, and in chapter 6, uh, before Jesus tells us what to pray, he gives us a couple things to do before we pray. Um, he says, before you pray, do these things. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. So before we pray, we gotta, we gotta find a place, we gotta make time. Luke chapter 11 says that Jesus went to a certain place to pray. If you study the life of Jesus, we, th- we see that he repeatedly withdraws from the disciples or from different crowds. The Bible says that he would go up into the mountains or into the wilderness to pray. Everywhere the disciples traveled with Jesus, he would find a place. Um, he'd make time to be alone with God. And this doesn't mean that we can't pray throughout our day. Of course you can. But if we tell ourselves we're just going to pray anytime and anywhere, we usually don't make time for God. If we don't make time for God, we usually feel like we don't have time for God. It's kind of like when you meet somebody, um, they seem really cool. You're like, hey, dude, you're so cool. We should hang out sometime. Like, yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. We need to hang out sometime. And what do they say? Yeah, dude, just let me know, and we'll, and we'll do it. And one of the other persons say, yeah, yeah, just let me know. We'll do it. We'll hang. We'll chill. All right. All right. And then nobody reaches out. They don't make a plan. They don't let them know. We've got to find a place. We've got to make time. If we want to make a priority, if God a priority in our lives. Um, these are not my words. These are Jesus' words. I love what he says, says next. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is where Christians have got sayings like, you just need to go find your secret place. (laughs) When was the last time you were in your prayer closet? Hmm? Can you tell me that? (laughs) And they're not actually saying, you need to go huddle up in your closet and pray, get all claustrophobic. They're saying, real prayer begins in private. Plenty of people pray in public, but real prayer begins in private. When it's just you and God, the only time you pray is when you're at church, you're kind of missing the purpose of prayer. You're missing the fullness of it. You might want to write this down um, because being around God can never substitute for being alone with God. Being around God can never substitute for being alone with God. For me, I feel like the easiest way to pray um, so I'll go on walks. I like to walk. Never run. Um, just walks. I'll walk and talk with God. Do my thing. Go around the lake. Whatever, whatever. Another thing is I like to go in my car. I don't even, like, drive places most of the time. I just sit in my car. And I think. And I pray. Sometimes I turn a little Michael W. Smith. Y'all know. Y'all know. <laughs> Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. <laughs> I like to sing in a worship accent, southern voice. You got to find a place. It doesn't have to be anything special. It can be your favorite chair. It can be in nature, in your room. You got to find a place. We got to make time. What is the second thing that Jesus says we need to do before we pray? Let's look at verses 7 and 8. When you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because they're many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. The second thing you need to do before you pray is you need to be you. You got to be you. Jesus is saying, get to the point. <laughs> Longer is not stronger. 
Erase the fluff. Get rid of the mindless babble. I just want to take some pressure off some people today. Um, prayer is not about elegant speech. It's not about impressive vocabulary. It's not about the length of time. Jesus is saying, don't get caught up thinking you have to be somebody that you're not. That takes a lot of pressure off of us. I can just be myself. It's amazing. God's only requirement is that our prayers come from the heart and that they're sincere. Have you ever been praying in front of a group of people and you get, like, really intimidated? <laughs> Happens to me. I confess. Ooh, I get intimidated praying in front of people or whatever. <laughs> but, like, think back to those times where you get, like, paired up in, like, a prayer circle. And you got, like, a prayer warrior in your circle. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> and they just start going in. They're quoting scripture. Deuteronomy 28, God says, your word says we are blessed going in. Blessed going out. We are the head, not the tail. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then it's your turn. You're like, oh, God. Frick. I got to add some ump to this one. So you just start talking crazy. Oh, God. You're so good. You're so good. Yes, you are. You are Jehovah Nisi. Nisi? Nissan, you're like a Nissan, Lord, you drive me wild. Your love melts my heart like an ice cream cone, mint chocolate chip, God, that's who you are. And everyone's just like, what is going on? What is going on? Get to the point. Erase the fluff. It's funny, but we really think this way. We think we have to have impressive prayers. Um, and God says, the only thing that draws me to your prayer is your heart. I'm sorry. Those words were nice. A little bit weird. <laughs> if you pray like that, I'm sorry. It was some good imagery that I just came up with. But quit babbling and be you. <clears throat> now, let's look at, now that we know what to do before we pray, let's look, look what Jesus tells us um, how to pray. If we look at verses 9 through 13, I believe that Jesus gives us six kind of prayer points to look at. Rookie mistake. Gotta silence the phone, come on. <laughs> Nine through 13. <laughs> Six points to help us guide us through prayer. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right, let's look at verse number nine. Our Father in heaven. I'm gonna stop there. Number one, we need to connect with our heavenly Father. Some of us need to fix our view of who God is. The way that you view God will dictate the way that you connect with God. God is not some faraway being that is taking tabs of everything that you do wrong and will only love you if you spend a certain amount of time in prayer and don't sin. No, he's your heavenly father. I love what Romans 8.15 says. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Let's be very careful to stay away from this slave mentality. Everything a slave does is out of obligation. It's never an opportunity. It's never a privilege. When a slave doesn't do what he's supposed to do, he's punished. Instead, God gives a spirit of adoption. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. Isn't that amazing? Once I realize I'm a child of God, prayer becomes less and less about obligation, more about an opportunity to just connect with my father. Going back to what we just talked about, that's why it's so important to just be you. Be sincere when you pray. God wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't just want to hear your requests. Um, he wants to hear what you're interested in. 
even if we don't even know what to say. That's okay. Prayer can feel like learning a new language almost. Think of a young child learning to talk. I've never seen a parent get mad at their kid for not being able to say the right thing or saying the wrong thing. Parents aren't expecting their baby's first words to be mother and father. I have appeared to let a little poopy in my pants. And I would be delighted if you would get me out of this diaper as soon as possible. Thank you. No, they don't expect that. They go crazy when their baby says, ah, and goo, and gooby-goo. They go crazy and they start crying. Like, oh my God, he said gooby-goo. He's trying to say, I love you. That's what he's trying to say. But parents don't care what their baby says. They're just so excited that they're close and closer to being able to communicate with their child. God doesn't expect you to be fluent. God doesn't, not saying you have to know everything about prayer. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're trying to say, even if you can't find the words, because he's a good father. So first, we need to start by connecting with our Heavenly Father. Let's look at what comes next in verse 10. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Next thing we want to do is we want to praise the one who's worthy of our praise. Praise the one who's worthy of our praise. David says it this way, I will bless the Lord, O my soul. You need to rule your spirit. You need to get a revelation that whether things in your life are going the way you want them to or not, whether things are looking bad, God is still good. It's who he is. It's all he can be. We just sang that out earlier in worship. It's all it can be is good. And whether I can see it or not, nothing is going to stop my praises. David said, I'm not just going to praise when I feel like it. I want to worship God always because he's worthy of our praise. Anybody believe he's worthy of our praise this morning? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm guessing that some of you probably don't use um, hallowed in your everyday vocabulary. So I'm going to break it down a little bit. It simply means regarded as holy, sacred. What does holy mean? Holy means to be set apart. There's no one like our God. So before I ask God to do anything for me, I just want to praise him for who he is. God is known by thousands of different names in the Bible because there is so much honor and praise that he deserves. Like, did you know that God is your healer? Did you know that he's your good shepherd, that he's Jehovah Jireh, your provider, that he's your redeemer? He's the redeemer of your past, present, and future. That's the God that we serve. Can we give him a shout of praise this morning? That's the God we serve. He's our savior. We're going to praise the one who deserves our praise. Let's look at our next prayer point. Um, This was a little tough, so hang on. Verse verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Number three, we got to submit our will. Ooh. Because what do we know? Despite all age, gender, experience following Jesus, we all have wants and we all have desires. And majority of the time, we feel like our wants and our desires are the most pressing matter when it comes to prayer. And Jesus is saying, that's not what praying, praying is about. Praying is about submitting my will to God. That means we have to pray his agenda before we even get started with our agenda. What is God's agenda? We know that God wants the lost to be found. And I don't mean this in a condemning way whatsoever. But when was like the last time we just prayed for somebody who was lost? 
Um, I was actually convicted of this this week. I was kind of struggling with this point. I was going back and forth. And um, at my job, there's this this lady named Magdalena. And she's so sweet and she's amazing. And she's kind of the custodian of our school. And she comes in and she'll clean our rooms every day after school. And she always comes and greets me every day with a huge smile on her face. And she always says, hi, God bless you. And I say, hi, God bless you. And she doesn't speak much English. It's all I really say to each other is, God bless you, God bless you. Every day she does that. And I think it was Wednesday this week, she comes into my room and she has a phone in her hand. And she hands me the phone and on it says Google Translate. And on it it says, are you a Christian? And I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I've been following Jesus my whole life. I'm a pastor's kid. And I'm like typing it. And, <laughs> and she like lights up. She lights up and she gets so excited and she types back. She types back and she says, I'm so glad that you're a Christian. God wakes me up every day at 4 a.m. to pray to keep my family protected and to save all of my lost friends and all my coworkers. She wrote a little bit, little bit more. She says, every day, I feel very tired, but I am more passionate about seeing people see and know who Jesus is. And I feel like in this moment, um, God kind of spoke to me. He's like, I, I feel like this is a woman who is way more concerned about my will than hers. And I just want to encourage you, start praying for people who are lost. Ask God, how can I bring you glory today? How can I be used by you today? Um, I want to write this down as well. We need to be careful not to minimize our ability to change the atmosphere of our workplaces, our homes, and anywhere that we step if we are willing to submit to his will. I just don't want to watch God's will be done on earth. I want to be an active participant. First Thessalonians, that one always gets me, um, says there's also God's will. And we give thanks in all circumstances. We would pray without ceasing. And we would rejoice always. This is God's will for our life. And I want to be an active participant. So we need to connect with our spiritual father. We need to praise the one who's worthy of our praise. We need to submit our will. Um, and let's look at verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Number four, you need to let God be your provider. I think it's important to know what Jesus is refer- referencing here um, in this verse. He's referring to the book of Exodus. When the Israelites stepped out of captivity, stepped into the wilderness in order to reach the land that God had promised them. The Bible says that they wandered for 40 years. Yeesh. And on their journey to the promised land, God made an agreement with the Israelites that he would provide manna for them. Um, it would, would be food for them to feed them physically every day. But there was a restriction. There was a restriction that God gave the, the manna. You can only take enough for the day. And then there were some greedy little Israelites I'm like, God, thank you. Oh, my God, thank you. You're the best. I trust you. But just in case you forget, we'll get some more. And they store it up. 
God, I trust you, but just in case you cook my manna a little crispy tomorrow, I'm going to get some more. And they started storing up manna. Sneaky. Then God's, wait, where am I at? (laughs) And then the Bible says that the manna they had stored up, what happened to it? It began to be spoiled rotten. Why is that? Because God was trying to teach them an important lesson. He was showing the Israelites that the only way they're going to make it into the promised land is to trust him daily. He wanted the Israelites to learn how to be fully dependent on him. I think God is trying to teach us the same lesson when it comes to prayer. We need something new. We need something fresh. We need God's presence daily in our life. And I feel like there may be some of us in this room who are living of the manna of yesterday. Yeah. You had an experience maybe with Jesus when you were young or five years ago, and you've been living off that experience, that manna. And God's saying, that's not enough for you. Yeah. I have fresh manna. You need to be in my presence daily. I have everything that you need. Your souls were made to be in my presence daily. Let me be your provider. Our souls are in need of something that only he can provide, and that's his presence. So point number four, we need to let God be our provider. Point number five, let's move on to verse 12. And forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Number five, we need to get grace, receive grace, and we got to give grace. This one's really important because I think there's too many of us believers walking around with guilt and shame that's causing us to hide from God and and walk in a life that we weren't meant to live. And God is saying to you today, I want you to come out of hiding. I have grace for you that knows no limits. There is nothing that any of us could do that would cause him to turn from us. Nothing we could do. No sin, no mistake. He has grace for us. And how do we receive this grace? 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I don't know if you've ever thought this, but I used to always think, like, why do I have to ask for forgiveness, like, every time I sin? Like, this is getting repetitive. If God saved me and my eternity is secured in him, why do I have to confess my sins on a daily basis? And Jesus is trying to get us to understand, yes, if you turn from your sin, you will never have to pray to be saved again. Your eternity is secure. But in you and I's daily experience, sin that is not dealt with will destroy the intimacy that you and I experience with God. It will distract you from the joy of salvation. It will distract you from the freedom of sin that Jesus died so that we can experience. This is why we confess our sins and ask God for grace. It's almost like making a course adjustment almost. Sin will cause us to get off course, and God's grace is what realigns us. Reminds me of when I played uh, football when I was in high school growing up. Um, Had a really bad back, a poor lumbar support, if you will. My L5s and L6s were always out of whack. It was annoying. So I was always going to physical therapy and going to the chiropractor a lot. I remember one time going to the chiropractor. And I'm telling me, Casey, you need to stop playing football. Because one, 
you're like 90 pounds, and I know you're not getting any playing time. <laughs> Two, if you play football again, you're going to be right back here every single time. You need to find another hobby. I feel like that's what grace does in you and I's lives. It realigns us, but also keeps us away from the things that are going to end up damaging our souls. Yeah. I believe this is the same thing when it comes to forgiving others. We could write a whole sermon on, uh, on this, but if you're in here and you're, and you're holding unforgiveness towards somebody or bitterness towards somebody, we will never be aligned with God's heart for forgiveness. We're not able to forgive others. God knows our mistakes. He knows everything we've done wrong, yet he chooses daily to forgive us. And if you're in here and you're holding unforgiveness towards someone, I think it's a good day to just release that. In the name of Jesus, just release that. Receive God's grace. And we're able to give grace once we do that. Amen. Um, And as I'm I'm finishing my last point today, I'm going to invite the band back on up. Y'all did so good today. Worship was fire. Um, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Point number six, we got to get empowered. If you've ever tried to fight a battle with temptation in your own strength, you know it's a battle that you're probably not going to win, right? What we know as believers is that we have a very real enemy since the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, he's been on a mission to steal, kill, and destroy your life and everything that God has planned for your life. He doesn't have to come and physically destroy our lives if he can get us to live and indulge in a life of sin. Sin is what brings death to dreams, death to purpose, death to joy and peace. So the devil is going to do everything in his power to tempt you into a life of sin. Can I tell you, this is why we pursue holiness. This is why we have to be set apart in a world that's full of people who think that freedom is having no rules, doing what feels right to you. That's why we get bound to lust, bound to addiction, bound to the ways of this world. We have to combat this type of thinking. We have to put guards up in our life, and we have to fight temptation. Want to know something comforting, though? That's a lot, but we have something comforting that we get to take hold of. We don't have to fight these battles on our own. I think many of us have forgotten that we have a helper in the Holy Spirit. He helps us, empowers us to overcome temptation. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 7, with his disciples before his ascension into heaven. Verse 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And Jesus' disciples were looking at Jesus like, he's crazy. Like, what? You're going to leave us again? We just saw you die and come back to life. Now we have you. Why are you leaving us? How are we supposed to do this life on our own? Jesus says, it's actually better that I go because the helper is coming. We need to understand that we are a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have a permanent helper in our times of need. The Holy Spirit is what allows us to achieve holiness on a daily basis. We cannot pursue holiness on our own. I've seen it said this way. Holiness is not just a matter of imitation. 
trying to follow Christ's example. It's a matter of inhabitation. God's spirit coming to dwell within us. The spirit of God, the spirit of God is at work within us day in and day out. Shaping us, molding us, refining us into the image of God. He's never leaving us. He's always going to help us fight our battles. We need to get empowered by the Holy Spirit this morning. As I close the day, I just, I just want to encourage some people who have been really struggling with prayer. Um, there's a lot of habits that are good for you. There's a lot of habits that can improve your life, for sure. But prayer is a habit um, that is vital to our lives. Along with reading God's word, prayer is something that our souls desperately need. It's not like eating your vegetables. You can go months without eating those things. Don't be fine. <laughs> I've been telling myself that since I was five, and I'm doing fine. It's not like eating your vegetables. It's a daily prayer. It's a habit that we need to have daily because our souls need it. And the disciples knew that. That's why they asked God, teach us how to pray. So they saw that everything that, who he was, his ministry, it all flowed from that times of intimate prayer with just him and God. And they said, God, teach us how to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray. We want to be like you. We want to have the same power in our lives that you have. Teach us how to pray. Jesus couldn't go a day without it. It's almost as if, as if it was equivalent to breathing. Jesus needed prayer. Think about it. He's fully God, fully man, in desperate need of prayer. How much more do we need to pray? So don't get frustrated. Don't get mad at yourself if you don't know what to pray. But don't neglect it either. Don't neglect prayer. Practice prayer. Even if you don't want to say practice prayer, I think as we end our 21 days of intentional reading of God's word, we need to take time to pray as well. Find a place. Find a time. If you don't want to say walk through this blueprint that um, Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 6, I promise you um, it'll change the way that you, you view God. Um, and it'll change the way you live your life. I just want to have a little call to action this morning. Maybe you're in here and you're hearing me talk about this God who loves us so much, who wants to pray with us, who we get to talk to you day in and day out, who knows us better than anyone. And maybe you've never accepted him into your heart. You never started that relationship. And you want to, like, you want to start praying with a God who loves you. You want, you want that in your life. With, with heads bowed and bowed and eyes closed this morning, um, if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand in this moment. If you want to accept that gift of salvation, you want to make Jesus the Savior of your life, you want to learn to pray. If you know that there's been this emptiness in your soul and this longing in your soul, you can't seem to get rid of, you can't seem to fill with the things of this world. You said, I need a savior. I need somebody to fill this hole that's inside of me. I know it was made for more. On the count of three, we raise your hand. One, two, 
three. I see your hand. It's amazing. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It's the best decision of your life. He loves you so much. Your life will never be the same. Invite your heavenly father into your life. He wants to talk with you. He wants to pray with you. I promise. He changes everything. And if you're in this room, um, you just want to grow in your intimacy and prayer. You're saying, God, maybe I've neglected you. I just, I just want to grow in my intimacy with you. I want to know how to pray with you day in and day out. I just don't want to give you my requests. I just want to pray with you. I want to wake up every single day and just desire to be in your presence. Would you just raise your hand? I believe that's all of us in this room. Would you go ahead and pray with me this morning? Jesus, we love you so much. God, thank you for giving us this blueprint of how to pray with you, how to communion with you, how to make you the savior of our lives, our best friend, our good shepherd. I pray today that would you shift our perspective of what it means to pray? the confusion that we had, any doubts we have about it, would you take the blinders off this morning? We want to see you clearly. We want to pray with you. We want to have a communion with you every single day. Even in this moment, someone who still feels skeptical, they feel like they just don't need prayer in their life. They're doing pretty good on their own. Just open their eyes. There's so much more for them. There's so much more for them. There's so much more for them in this life than the way they've been doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. We're going to go into one more time of worship. You guys want to stand. Let's sing. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.